I had the privilege of going to the ICC over this past week for the Shape Durban conference with a number of other people and, and Promise, who's actually on, on the staffing team, but she wasn't um, able to come this morning. But uh, yes, I spent some nice time with Promise. And when I was at the ICC, it just gave me such a, oh, such a reminder of we are not the lagging behind city. We have excellent, beautiful, world-class facilities um, because we're excellent, world-class people. And we need to see ourselves as that in Durban. You know, when carte blanche, I don't know if anybody saw it on Sunday uh, after the preach, if you went home and you had a nice afternoon and then you watched the carte blanche uh, episode and they said goodbye Durban in their little, they did a... Um, uh, a feature on Durban and the problem with drugs in the city and the, the, the vulnerable. And they had a whole thing of, is this goodbye Durban? And um, at the SHAPE conference, we were in a, um, in a talk. Well, we were in a little a, a theme, a little breakaway group that was dealing with um, the marginalized, the socially and economically marginalized in our city. And we came up with a resounding yes that it is not goodbye Durban, it is hello Durban, because there are a number of people who are seeing the problems and are being proactive about addressing them because they care about people. So it's not goodbye Durban, it's hello Durban, and it's arise the church to, to really show and to lead the way. Um, if we could just go to the next slide, please. I love this proverb, Proverbs 31.8. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly and defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And that's what I love about you guys. I feel like that you are living out that scripture. Um, you really are because a lot of people will look at the situation of poverty and the destitute and people who are bedraggled, um, who are, are, are just not... Um, not the person you would choose to sit next to on the park bench. Um, and you see them and you see value and you see worth and you come alongside them and you place value on them and you speak up for them and you defend their rights and you help them to, you know, get out of their situation into where God intended them to be in their life. And so I just think that that proverb just, it just embodies who you guys are and what you do. So, so thank you. Um, I uh, I wanted to just start before I actually introduce each team member. I wanted to start with a video clip. Is that possible, Rafael? Where I know we had problems with the video clip. It's funny. I said to Wayne, like before last week's sermon, I said to him, "I'm playing a video clip. Please, I don't want any AV problems. No, babe, nothing's going to go wrong." And Somehow, when it's my videos, they go wrong. So let's pray and intercede now that this will just play and, you know, the internet will not mess with us. But let's go for it. Kamala Mwoo, Michael Nzama, Chale Mauti, Chale Kulu Mauti, Babakinesin Koshan Koshalanga Pandi, Mauti, Ang Sebenzi, Ang Nai Mali, Katinesin Hambas and Gokanga, Katinesin Boshag, Habmung, Pele, Mkagwini. And Katinesin Pele, Jelegi, 
Gengma Eogoti Bengang and Zamuti Impilo Ishinje, a Shinjag and Pilo, what a tennis and Pumilega Jede, Nobela Peck, and Ya <laughs> She Nabanya Bandu Akulu, Impilo Zabo footing a bone and Abos Yashinja, Akulu, Namia Tawas, a footing Tawas, Akulu, or my important Daba and Zilian Blue and Moon Keeper in Kakuin, whom we said a bed in Parati. Kamalam, Michael and Zama, Yabong. My name is Felipe. My name is Felipe, yes, of my. My name is Siko. My name is Pevinda. My name is Kevin. My name is Simpiwe. My name is Saromik. My name is Freedom. My name is Gwenezabendezondi. My name is Owen Shopa. My name is Koskone Tlankunen. How awesome is that, eh? Um, I think we can give them another round of applause for that, guys. <laughs> All right. So let's find out a little bit more about this beautiful team. Um, so up here, the Wellness Center would not exist if we did not have the amazing, incredible, beautiful family, the Brighamans. Um, so we have uh, Edwin and um, Eloise and Emily and Ethan. Don't you want to just stand up and wave, Ed, Ethan and Emily? There we go. Um, they are an incredible family. They are... Um, a very fit family, a very hard-working family, um, and uh, Eloise is a Durban girl. Um, Edwin, you come from the Netherlands. Yes, that is correct. And th- when you hear his accent now, you understand why. Um, oh, what accent? <laughs> um, but, you know, they've just, Wayne and I have had the privilege of getting to know them a little bit more and more um, as, uh, as, as we've had dinners together and birthday parties. Uh, I must, I must say, Edwin has some really good dance moves. Uh, they had a birthday party for Ethan yesterday, and he was the soccer 
ref, but he was so busy dancing to the music. I didn't know if he was the entertainment or if he was the ref, but it was. So they're fun-loving. They're go-getters. They are incredibly hardworking. Um, Edwin runs um, his own business, or they run a business together. And, um, and Eloise is the CEO and founder of the Wellness Foundation, um, Wellness Center. But they work as a team in everything. They work in a team as they parent and homeschool their children. They work as a team in their business, um, Brigham and it's called Brigham and Hare. Yeah. <laughs> and they work as a team in the wellness center. Um, on Sundays when they get together, you'll find out more about that. But Edwin volunteers, um, as, as, as Eloise, um, champions the cause and does everything. And he volunteers and he ministers and prays for, I believe he's known as the friend of the poor, the friend of the destitute. Um, Eloise is the, the advocate, the champion, the go-getter. She makes things happen. She moves and shakes around the city, um, connecting, uh, people and just advancing things. And then we've got a wonderful Frank, the project manager. He's an amazing man, a real family man. Um, his, his wife and children are at Olive Tree this morning. And uh, he has just such a heart for people and such a willingness to, to apply his skills and his ability to seeing other people just being given that second chance in life. Um, and then we have Eugene here, who I... He's probably the man I know the least on the team, um, but what I did read up about you and what I have encountered of you is that you are on the ground. You're the field worker. You're the one who is listening to the stories. You've got that compassionate ear, and then you're seeing how the wellness center can actually meet those individual needs of people. So you're really in the trenches um, and that is incredible because there can be high-level strategy and communications and setting things up, but the person who's on the ground actually making things happen is so critical, and so we commend you. But I also believe you're a really strong family man, yeah, and, um, and we love that. Um, and Promise, who's not here today, she's the social worker, and she also has a real heart for for people and, and just coming alongside them. I love when, when I've been chatting with her, she always says, I don't have a career, I have a calling. And that's how she views her work as a social worker. And then there's Janet today. It was the first time I met you, um, but you're a, a volunteer on the team and on the trust, a trustee. Um, and it's just so wonderful to have you with us as well. And we look forward to hearing a few things from you today. Awesome. Okay, well... Um, what did I want to do next? So, okay, let's get straight into it. Maybe between you, Eloise, and Edwin, you can just tell us what is the Wellness Center, why, and how did you start it, and give us some insight. All right. Uh, thank you for having us here today. It's actually quite a privilege to be able to um, to just talk to you about what we do and and what we believe that God can do in this city. So the beginning of the Wellness Center, I've always been like the radical one. That's just completely uh, in love with Jesus. Use me here, Lord. You know the you know the crazy one. And uh, for years, I was like crying out to God, like, "Please use me. What must I do?" Because there's a general calling for everyone: make disciples of all nations, heal the sick, raise the dead. There's a general calling, and then there's a specific calling: uh, run the race set out before you. And um, I remember being so. F- almost frustrated because our kids are 12 months apart. 
And I was like, Lord, when Ethan is three years old, I don't care if I stand at the bottom of the road and start preaching. Like, I need to do something. And I did that, actually. So all the maids would come up the road, and I would stand there, and I'd have a whole group on a Wednesday morning, and my domestic would interpret for me and would pray, and we'll see healings. And and awesome. So we did all sorts of things, pray in hospitals, did mission trips in Rwanda, and we've done all sorts of things. But I was just like, there must be something specific, you know? And uh, God said to me, go watch Machine Gun Preacher. And I don't know if you've seen that movie. I'd highly recommend it. I don't like violent movies, but anyway, I watched it. And that guy, he just did it. He didn't wait for three confirmations or prophecy or whatever. He just saw something and he did it. He made a difference. And and so we just started... um, I sent an email to five emails to this guy in South Sudan. We're coming <laughs> as a family with for five babies. days with two babies, and um, I'm coming. <laughs> so I sent emails to this guy. I got into my car, went to spa, and there's a lot of people at spa. And I stood at the till to pay for my goods, and this homeless guy came straight up to my face and said, "Feed me, CC." And I just knew that God didn't want me to go to South Sudan. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but he wanted me to stay here and do, make a difference to the people here. And I got home and all those emails were rejected. They came back undelivered. Thank God. So, um, so anyway, so I, I actually prayed about a year before we even started the wellness center. I really sat before God and asking him and praying about it. So the vision for the wellness center, even where we're at, goes far beyond what we see right now. So we literally began, I phoned a few people, and we cooked chicken a la king on the first day, warm cooked meals. The principal was, if I don't eat it, we don't serve it. And that's how we've run in everything. Uh, we don't use... Good. Um, so we used to go down to the bottom of Buttery Road by Riverside and with a few, I mean, I even got like printed shirts. It was very professional. Um, and Edwin and our neighbor would go to the, under the bridges and call the guys. We'd talk to the prostitutes, ask them how their day was. But I found that um, how frustrating because this wasn't changing anything. Every week we'd come and pray for them and feed and all the rest of it. And I wasn't doing anything. So we basically, it's just been a journey of going before God. What's next? How do we make a difference? How do we change things? How does it, how does it get somebody off the street in society on a sustainable level? How does this give um, these people a second chance in life with Jesus Christ? Because mm. even if we took them right through a highly educated train and become a doctor, we don't want a corrupt doctor. Come on. That's right. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not about even giving them a, a job. It's really about the whole transformation the word wellness is actually a holistic name. It's spirit, soul, body, mind, physical, financial. It's the whole person. And we are in it for the long haul. So when someone comes to us, and I believe every person is a divine appointment, when they come to us, we're in it till the end. We do, it's not a six-month program, two-year program. We're in it right to the end. Mm. So that's, awesome. the, that's how we began. It's amazing. <laughs> and Edwin, maybe you can just tell us, I mean, how did, how did that impact you? You're a businessman, you're a father, and now you've got this wife who's saying, hey, we're going to go and we're going to reach out and we're going to do this. Uh, okay, and well. you use your money to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I must say, when we met, I didn't, ha- I didn't have any idea she was that radical. Um, I'll be honest, I'll tell you a little bit. Uh, when we met, I was not saved. So... I remember coming from overseas, 
And this one lady said to me, and that's how you, how, and we all got a calling in our lives. And I tell you now, I realized that there was this one lady who said to me, and what are you going to do in Africa for the people over there? Come on. That's what she said to me. And I said, oh, I'm just on my own there. What, what difference can I make? Hmm. That was sure. my initial answer. But it always stuck to me. God spoke there to me. That was awesome. But coming back, okay, so we've got this, this, this becoming more and more radical, I guess. And, um, but I loved it. I loved the testimonies. I loved what, what she was telling about God. And I got saved quite a few years ago now. So that's all good. And then uh, to answer your question, how do you, how do you start? Well, you just do it. As, as Eloise said, you just do it. I mean, um, I always, and I, I say to the guys in the field, God is a God of abundance. And they look at each other like, yeah, look at me sitting here. But I said, you have to believe that God is a God of abundance. So when we started the wellness center, that's the principle. You start as a, believing that God is a God of abundance. So financially, you will, you will make it. Uh, you will find the volunteers. You will, it, it will come. So yes, initially you start paying out of your own pocket because there's no sponsor. There's no, nothing like that. But God rewards that. Yeah. I mean, you get, you get paid back in sevenfold. Our business has, has been doing very well over the last few years. It's, it's, it's going up mm-hmm. because we, we just started. And, yes, it's, it's, it's small things that you start with or, or bigger things. And, and at the moment, we, uh, we've got a, quite, a, quite a nice space for the wellness center. And, and the company is, is able to, 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 uh, to, to rent that space so the wellness center can, can, can do what they want to do. Yeah. And so it's just a matter of... It's, it's just having faith, do it, and you'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trust God. Exactly. And to be committed to the long haul, not just I'm feeling guilty in this moment or I feel a little tear running down my cheek, so I'm going to go and, you know, plague a hole for six months. But God sees your heart. God, we're in this forever. This is like, this is, I'm responding to the call on our life, and we're going to do this. Yes, and if I may add to that, and the people in the field will see that as well, that you're in it for the long haul for real, not for guilt. Mm. They, they have seen, and, and it's, it's a sad thing, they have seen churches come and go. They go do an outreach at the beachfront. They make promises. They will come back next week. They will promise jobs. Mm-hmm. Actually, we don't promise anything. Mm. We're not promising anything. We, we, we do things, but we don't make, make promises just to, to, to feel to feel good about ourselves. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you the Sunday afternoons, we don't feel at all going and do our, our outreach. So maybe tell us a little about that. On a Sunday, you actually go and okay. set up and do church, yeah? Yeah. So basically, um, our wellness center is not a drop-in center. So for years now, we've been meeting uh, on the Natal Command site under a tree, like in the Book of Acts, <laughs> and um, so that anybody can come. You know, we, we don't... We, we really were able to receive anybody under the tree on the grass. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically that's where we have our first point of contact and we register everybody. Everyone gets registered. And that is where we actually do. We, we used to do worship. But we find it very difficult, obviously, um, for our guys to, when they first come, like, why must I worship this God? And I find it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. So we what we do now is Edwin preaches a word of encouragement and hope, and we teach biblical principles, all sure. right? And then it also what we do is we split up, split up into smaller groups. We always have an interpreter, 
And um, so we'll split up into small groups, uh, five, six, sometimes maybe seven kind of thing. And we ask everybody, how was your week? Is there something specific we can pray for? What is God doing in your life? You know what I'm saying? It's like a little so connect creates, Yes. Yeah. It creates more um, more relationships. And we get to know everybody better. So next week I can say, hey, how was that job interview? Or, hey, what happened there? Or, mm. you know, how's your leg feeling? Or do you know what I'm saying? Yes. So um, we used to be like every Sunday and never have a break. And now we've ro- we're rotating. <laughs> we had, like once a month we take off. So that we can't, we don't miss it. You know, mm. we don't miss that connection. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, and basically that's where where we feed them, yes. you know, if, um, the, 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 the new people and, and the Sunday guys, besides what we do during the work, uh, during the week with discipleship, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah. So, I mean, you spoke about you always have an interpreter. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the gentleman we saw in the video, Michael, is actually an interpreter now yes. for you. So, shame. So, what actually happened, Michael was going to be here today, but unfortunately he's at his cousin's funeral oh. right now. Oh, sorry. So, uh, but Michael has really been uh, an amazing, amazing testimony. But we haven't, he's not done yet, you know sure, what I'm saying? Like, sure. as I said, the, it's still a journey, but Michael was one of the first guys we registered. I think he's like 004 or something like that at the at the riverbank. 007. Yeah. <laughs> 004. He's. And um, and so yes, so yes, he's he's been with us practically for the whole time. And uh, from from the beginning, he didn't know Jesus, mm-hmm. and and that's where he actually found Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and he practically sleeps with his Bible. And he's the guy actually that brings people to the wellness center, encourages them. Uh, every Sunday, he's literally there almost every Sunday interpreting for Edwin. Brilliant. Um, he's really hands-on. He's during the week he's with us uh, now, and he's even joins Frank and another guy, one of our candidates um, at at the recovery because he's going to lead our recovery group. And and do you know what I'm saying? It's that complete hmm. transformation. Because you didn't just place value on him; you gave him um, relationship, you gave him connectivity, yes. where he was isolated on the streets you know, disconnected from any family structure. You've created a family where um, he can then outwork the journey. And we're all on a journey. We're all told, according to the Word of God, to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling and um, to not neglect the gathering together of the saints. And and these aren't Christianese concepts. They're actually real-life principles that when we put into practice, we see the fruit of it. Um, And so he is on a journey as are we all. And we all slip up here and there. But as we commit to each other and we commit to God and his word, we just start to see wellness and fruit coming out of us. Isn't that so true? Yeah, beautiful. And, um, you know, I must commend your, your children because, Emily and Ethan, I believe you are there alongside mom and dad at the wellness center um, midweek sometimes uh, doing your school, your homeschooling while they're changing the world. Um, and then you're there on Sundays um, with, uh, with, with all, the, all the people who maybe other children might feel a little bit scared or afraid of, but you're there and you're, you're showing love and you're showing um, just you're, you're, you being with mom and dad in that space is giving so many people hope. Because they're seeing family. They're not seeing mom doing some great thing or dad preaching. They're seeing family. And they're, they've got um, something to look towards and say, one day I'm going to have my own kids. And they're going to be with me at doing whatever we're doing, changing the world for Jesus. So I really want to commend you guys because, yeah. 
You know, a lot of children don't necessarily have that opportunity, but also that maturity. And I'm sure sometimes you might feel, oh, you know, why can't I just go and play video games? Or why can't I, why do I have to do all these like big people thing? But you're doing something beyond yourselves and I, and well done. It's fantastic. Can I just quickly mention, yeah. I remember years ago, the kids were very small, and the, Ethan always plays soccer with the guys, and Emily plays with the little kids. And I remember someone asking me, or asking us, um, do you take the police down when you go to give the guys stuff and chat to them at Riverside? I said, no, we bring our kids. And... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is going to sound a little bit random. Forgive me, Wayne. But um, he's always nervous when I'm going to say something random. But I, I know that people who are in vulnerable situations, they do place value on people who have children because they were a child who went through some kind of trauma or some kind of um, uh, event that dislocated them from their family. And um, there was a particular, I won't mention names, but somebody who's doing a lot of great work with children in the city. And one of the, the children, he's a bit psychotic. And um, he basically said to her, if you didn't have children, I would have killed you by now. And it was the fact, so, you know, you talk about taking the police, and, but your children are actually something that people va- um, value when they haven't had it in their own lives. Um, love them and nurture them. So that's pretty radical. I know. Sorry. Okay. Machine, machine gun preacher stuff. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we could hear from each of your team members. We'd love to know... Um, uh, how did you get involved in the wellness center and the role you play a little bit from your own experience? Yes. Um, I will be sorry for my French accent. No, we, we're every nation, yeah. <laughs> every nation. I came from Congo, DRC. Yes. Do um, we have any Congolese in the house? There we go. Actually, um, my job is not a job, it's a calling. Yeah. I was running away from that for long. But your calling is your calling. You can't run away. Sure. How did I get involved with the wellness center? I started to volunteer at We Are Durban. That is where I get connected with uh, the wellness center at the beginning of 2015. I started to volunteer every Sunday. Maybe you could explain what We Are Durban is for everyone who doesn't know. We, we Are Durban is a NPO, um, NPO yes. Okay, okay. They, they assist other NPOs as well. Right. To lift them up. Mm-hmm. The, um, that is where I go, at Live Tree. And when I went the first time for ID Drive, at the wellness center that was at YFC. Something touched me. Eloise said, before to do everything, we have to pray. <laughs> that I said, okay, that is where I will remain. Wow. I will continue to volunteer my time here. I don't have money, but I did have time mm-hmm. to give mm-hmm. to God. Yeah. That means everyone has something. To reach an impact. That's good. That's good. You don't have money, but you have time or you have something to share. Mm. And I started to volunteer every Sunday. I was working that time uh-huh. until uh, toward the end of 2015. 
I was retrenched, and Eloise gave me the time to work as a Fantastic. full-time. Fantastic. And um, as I said, it's not a job, it's a calling, because we're going through a lot, yeah. listening to those guys, mm -hmm. seeing what they're going through. But a little bit we can change mm -hmm. just once. Yeah. Um, that is how I get involved. Mm -hmm. And why? Because I have a passion. Mm -hmm. I love people. Yeah. And I have to make change in the life for other people as well. Because some people make change in my life as well. Mm -hmm. I have to give back somewhere, somehow, to change the world. Just one yeah. can change the world. You can build... This building, they put like not a block. They lay one block, one block until mm -hmm. this building is there. So Each, everyone can lay his block. This world will be a better place to live. Come on. Excellent. What I'm doing, Trisha said, a project manager, and um, that is not, but I oversee all the project the lacks ID application, skills development, um, SASA, because we do assist the people with disability and uh, grant and uh, social grant. All those work I just oversee. Not sure. me, God oversee through me. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. And, and I think it was amazing because uh, Edwin and Eloise and the family had to travel um, and they could just entrust to your care and you kept everything running and functioning and well, I don't know all the ins and outs of what happened, but from the outside it was all happening perfectly and it's so wonderful for them to have um, a strong, reliable, committed man um, on their team. So well done. Not alone. Eugene yes, is there. Yes, Promise is there. <laughs> <laughs> there they were doing a great job on sure. the ground. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, Frank. You. Okay, Janet. Well, I was at church one day and Eloise said, doesn't someone want to come feed hot dogs to the homeless? And I thought, okay, can do that. <laughs> and it's, it's actually just so amazing because you think you're doing this thing, but actually... Those people are feeding you. Sure. They change you. You see them every day. You see their, you see their outlook change, oh. their faces change, and you see God working in their lives. And it has such a phenomenal impact on you because you can see something really real happening. And I yeah. think that is, that is what I... Sometimes we say, sometimes we really don't feel like going. You know, sure. you think, oh, sure. and those are going to be the days where you'll be fed the most. Wow. You just know that that is the day you're going to come home with yeah. something amazing. That's amazing. That is what it is for me. It's I fantastic. love that. And you know what I love is that even within your team, everybody's got their, their place, their role, their function. You know, you, you've got the, the pioneer and the one who's saying, come, let's go and feed and take the hot dogs. And then you've got the one who says, yes, I'll respond. And so everybody is needed. Um, you know, I, I never want anybody to sit back and feel, oh, well, you know what? I have to go and start an NPO. I have to go and start something. Sometimes you, you, need, you need to be the person who says, I'm going to go and serve. I'm going to go and help. I'm going to go assist. I'm going to be the, the person who's coming alongside. And so everyone has a role and a calling 
to, to the bigger picture and finding that individual role is what's key. Yeah? So awesome. Well done for saying yes on that day to go and serve the hot dogs. <laughs> Eugene? Hi, everyone. Um, yeah. So happy. So privileged. Thank you to Trish to bring us along. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, how did I get involved? Um, I've been working at one of the organizations called Umtombo for 15 years. 15 to 17 years, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, we decided with other guys to quit. Um, we take our money and uh, we start our business. It, it couldn't work it out. In our cars, we, we just, yeah, everything just fell apart. That's the reason I say to one day, if Trish come to our office, I see this as a calling to me. Because, yeah, a group of four guys, you know, with intelligent, young and fresh, um, yeah, it couldn't work it out. Then each of us, that's where we realize this is our calling. Mm. You know, the lady called Bussy, that's, that's the one that connected me with Eloise. You know, because the time that I had my time working with, uh, she was my manager. And in that time, I was a team leader. Uh, I show strength on here, you know, with my team. Um, at that time, during 94, 95, 96, there is a lot of children along the street, you know, each and every corner. If you go down by Crayville, a lot of guys, they were there. With God, uh, with our strength, that help us. You know, if you go down by Crayville, you don't see anymore. Yeah. Down by Point, no more. Further down, even at Mklanga, at Further uh, down, Table North, Shekas, there, all over the city, you can, if you go around, you can realize there is a change. Yes. We yes. done it with not only on, only us, but through God. Yes. That's you know. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, another question. Um, so your your wife Nosipo. Yes. Uh, so she's also um, a volunteer on yes. the Sundays, and I believe she's she enjoys being with the kids. Yes. Um, and so, what is it like as a husband and wife being involved in the same passion? Um, in, in fact, with with my wife. Okay. I met my wife while I was still working at Mtombo, long time ago. And she couldn't understand what I was doing. Then I was supposed to explain to her, and she always asked me, why do I choose to do this career? I said to her, I believe I do this because of the calling. Um, my wife is an orphan. That is another thing that make me stuck more on her, you know, sure. hold on him, hold on him more, you know. Um, in, in terms of other people, you know, we, we're coming on a different families, you know, in a different way that we believe. But if you're family, you need to believe in one, you know, sure. that God is always there for us. 
Sure. And that's how we, she get involved. Yes. And then she's making sandwiches for kids, and she's just got a real heart. Eh? Uh, oh yes, definitely. Oh, oh definitely. And um, the time that um, I joined wellness, I started volunteering wellness at Riverside. Mm-hmm. And one thing that really, really me make me hold on on it mm-hmm. is every time if we get there with Busi in the evening around about half past four. Eloise and Edwin said, let's pray. And in that time, I did interpret for Edwin. You know, if, if you input something, you translate something to someone, every, every word is come first to you, then you pass it on to someone. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. then, then the word is stuck on you mm-hmm. before you pass it on to someone. Sure. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay. So... You, you're very much a kingdom people, right? Um, maybe you could just answer the question, how did you find your kingdom purpose? And I know you did touch on it a little bit, but is there anything else you want to add to that about finding your kingdom purpose? So, yes, so specifically for the wellness center was yeah. that spa and everything. But I do believe it, it doesn't stop here. Like God is bigger than what we already see. And that's why it's this continuous union with Jesus. And he just, you grow in him and you grow up in him. And then your calling progressively changes somewhat. So yes, it just grows bigger, I suppose. Um, because God knows what you can handle. I mean, we've been talking about a building for like years before we even started the wellness center of this building. I've got in my mind, I can even draw it, you know, the whole thing. But I think I would have died if we had the building from the beginning because sure. of the responsibility and everything that goes around mm-hmm. around that. And God knows that. Mm-hmm. So you kind of actually grow into more of your calling right. as you progress and as you your walk of faith, as you growing up in him yeah. and as your faith develops as well. Yeah. So I think you don't you you don't always see really. You think you've got the big picture, but I think God has always got more and then he will allow to show you. Otherwise, you might just be scared and <laughs> run away. And not start. Yeah. And not start. So yeah. he just shows you the first little bit, and then you start. And then he shows you the next little bit, and you carry on. Like from the from the crawling, walking, running. That's basically yeah. what it is. And how do you how do you not grow weary in doing good? How do you keep going? And um, you know, sometimes you 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 think, okay, we're going to do the ID books, for example, and we do that, and then maybe there's um, you know people come back, oh, I lost my ID book, and they're like, oh, do you know what it took for me to get that done for you? Yeah. And to to adjust, to morph, to change along yeah. the journey, but still keeping the kingdom purpose yeah. at hand and. Um, and not just thinking about starting and then it gets a little bit hard and then you give up. What's What keeps you pushing through? You know, I think that there's such a grace over us for what we're doing. Um, I think in the whole, in the last almost five years of what we've been doing, what we've been doing, I, I've only lost it once. <laughs> twice, sorry. It was twice. <laughs> yeah, but this last one was really bad. <laughs> you know, so I got, we've got such grace over over what we're doing that, um, you know, like you can get irritated about the smallest thing when you're driving, but any, honestly, the guys can do any, say anything, do anything or anything. It's, uh, you've got such grace over it. 
And um, you also see through. And that's why we get so emo- I get so emotional. Like every every time I see Michael's movie, like I, I cannot not cry. Like um, it's all about proximity as well. Mm. Uh, you know, you see someone at the at the side of the road, but you you almost distant. You've got no emotional attachment. But as soon as you start working with the guys, you can see through. Um, through the immediate needs and to the deeper things, and and that's actually what keeps you going. So you so know, it's just the value it's, on them. Yes, because it's someone's brother, someone's daughter, someone's mother, someone's. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you you see, and also um, from from a Christian perspective, you see the gold in them. Like mm-hmm. we did vision boards the other day at the wellness center. And you could see these guys. I mean, we were talking about Habakkuk 2, like write the vision down and it will not tarry. And you could see that their visions are are actually so huge. Mm. They are not small. They also are, have such a, a vision for their future and what they want. Mm. There's no difference between them and us, really. Sure. We just we are just drawing that out of them. Sure. Um, one of the things that is um, that that we that we chat a lot about is to get not to get emotionally attached to what we are doing. Mm. So you can become emotional because uh, I'm also crying when I see this video and I've seen it many times. But um, So there's a difference between being emotional, being compassionate, like Jesus was. Everywhere in, in the Gospels it says Jesus was compassionate. Mm. Yeah? It never says he was emotionally attached to them so he couldn't do anymore or he got weary because of that. And that's what we... We keep telling one another as well, we're not emotionally attached. We are emotional because we care about the people. And that's a a very important principle that we have to keep Mm. keep following. Uh, It's not, uh, like you said, not out of guilt. It's not out of being emotionally attached that you have to help the people. No, you're compassionate. You want to help. Mm. And that's where it stops. It's not attached to them. And I think most important is you see the gold in them. You don't see the situation. You don't... You don't actually hear them swearing at you if something doesn't get done in time because you've got the guys that come. They don't have money for to get their own ID, but they will tell you that you're too slow. Yeah? <laughs> because they need the ID tomorrow for a job. So now, actually, I'm in the way to give them a job. Sure. Yeah? Hmm. <laughs> it's different reasoning. It's like, yeah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so the alternative for you is to get your 140 bucks and get your ID yourself. But yeah. that's... Uh, so, uh, and we t- I tell them, like, well, that's the alternative. Uh, yeah. So we try our best, uh, but there's no emotional attachment. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, to, but to answer the, about the weariness, I think, you know, in worldly terms, people think to go on a holiday or sit and read a magazine is supposed to rejuvenate yourself, but that just honestly doesn't. It's the, when you really do feel weary, it's always just in the presence of God, worship, sitting before him, reading his word, uh, there's no other way to overcome weariness. Sure, you know sure. what I'm saying? Honestly, to really so just true. hand it over. Yeah. Um, and I know there's been a few times there's been some situations and I was like, God, this is your thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is not my, my stress. You know, yeah. this is your thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you, ha- you are the solution. Sure. So. Absolutely. And Edwin, maybe you could answer this question. Um, in terms of the cost... You know, we, we always talk about the calling, but there's always a cost attached to it. Um, and maybe that cost is weariness. Maybe it is the financial. I mean, when you started it, you had to 
carry it with your business. Even now, your business pays the rent for the wellness center. Is there ever that thought in your mind, oh, you know, I could be spending that money on something else or preparing for this in the future? Just talk to us a little bit about the cost. Just a one-liner. I remember someone saying to me, salvation is for free, right? You receive it as a gift. The kingdom costs you everything. Sure. But we say it with a smiling face Come because on. I wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely. Awesome. Well done. Amen. Amen. Um, I, can't, I, can't, I can't explain it better. Okay. I mean, you can say, yes, it, there, is, there is a cost, but actually there's no cost. It just goes. And, and how could you spend your money even better than, than, than fulfilling your purpose in, in, in life? I mean, we all know when we go to the grave, we can't take money with us. Sure. So why don't we do something with it? Yes, we also want to live a, a comfortable life. Sure. But God will, will take care of that as well while you do all the other stuff. So there's, there's actually no... I, I w- yeah, there's no cost. There's actually, it doesn't look like a cost. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. It doesn't feel like a cost. So you've really got the revelation that you seek first the kingdom of God. You seek first his righteousness. Exactly. All those other things will be added. They'll be added. Yeah. They are added. It might take a bit of time. It might yeah. not be according to the world system of, um, but when it does come, it comes. Um, yeah. as, as by his provision. Yeah. Does anybody else want to talk about cost or the cost of, of the calling? I mean, for example, you know, sometimes when Wayne and I are around, um, maybe our contemporaries, people we were at school with, and they're driving really, like, really nice cars, and our car is surviving. <laughs> um, but you've you know, got a car. But we have a car, exactly. And, and I think, <laughs> uh, amen, so everybody catches taxis, indeed. Um, and, and sometimes there's this, this worldliness or this fleshly part that can say, oh, we've made such a sacrifice for the things of the kingdom. But actually, that's not it at all. We've actually been so richly blessed, um, both materially, but mainly in our souls. To have a healthy, whole soul with a revelation of the kingdom, you cannot put a monetary value on that, in my opinion. But can I just say that um, there's biblical principles that, uh, that we don't even actually realize, we don't focus on, but God says you give to the poor, you lend to God. Yes. You know, that yeah. you, you, you sow and you reap, and that's also for bad things. So if you're sowing into good things, you reap good things. Sure. So these principles then actually just follow you, like miracle signs and, miracle signs and wonders follow those who believe. Yeah. So... The thing is, what you sow into is what you reap. If you sow kingdom, you're going to reap kingdom. And I must say, I mean, I love our life. I wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, we get to grow up with our kids, get to homeschool. We get to have our own business. We get to um, do what we're passionate about with the the wellness center. Um, And, yes, it takes finances and it takes time and it takes energy. and, And sometimes you don't feel like it. But most of the time, we love what we're doing. We, we're energized. We just, you know, we're full of joy. Um, you know, that it's just, we, we actually don't think about the cost, to sure. be honest. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Do you want to say something, Frank, or you? That is what I wanted to say. Okay. There we go. <laughs> All right. What advice would you give to someone who wants to live a big, bold, purpose-filled life? What advice? Oh, you, you, you know what I'm going to say? Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> the Nike advert. 
Are we going to just leave it at that? Just do oh, it. Just do it. Yeah, because I mean, you can cry out to God, use me, here I am. And he's like, get out your bedroom. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. You know, I can't do anything in there. It's really, and, and you, you must be passionate about something. I mean, I, I'm, we might say do orphanages in the long term, but I like, I'm not, like, that's not my passion right now. You know, sure. like, I'd rather hug a homeless person than, you know, like, help like the orphans and stuff. You know, sure. you, there is something that you more, more interested and more passionate about. Um, and then just start, just start with the little things, you know, mm-hmm. and then God will grow it and just go before him prayerfully, yeah. sit and be still and know that he is God, you know. I think another thing we spoke about yesterday was who you are hanging out with, yeah. who are you surrounding yourself with, what yeah. books are you reading, yeah. um, what are you listening to, yeah. is it provoking you, is it iron sharpening iron, yeah. or is it comfort? You know, just around the mulberry bush of life. Yeah, Maybe exactly. your thoughts on that. Yes, and and be proactive. So sit before God and and write the vision down. It's a biblical principle, uh, and and just start making those steps into it. And God actually makes the way. Like even if you you kind of sometimes drift off into a bit of a wrong direction, He will graciously bring you back. And uh, so don't be afraid. Oh, this is not what God wants me to do. Just do it, and He will direct you. And, and you'll see that all of heaven backs you up. Uh, he has brought the most amazing team and, and volunteers to us. I mean, I've got the most fantastic people to actually, to be doing the wellness center with. We're truly a family and even our candidates, they're family with us. Yeah. You know, like he will just open the doors and close the doors. Sometimes it feels like you want something so much and want it now and you bang your head against the wall. Be glad that wall was there because in a couple of years time, you're going to turn around and say, thank God that didn't happen then and there. God is, he is on your team. Mm-hmm. He, he is all for us. Yeah. So just just start and and don't be afraid. Yeah, and if somebody doesn't necessarily want to start their own thing, they can support something yeah. that's already in existence. Yeah. I mean, like I don't have the time or the energy or the, to go and start all the things that burn in my heart, but I can get behind yeah. people who are already making it happen. And I think that's a key element as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I look it up at the. There we, you've impacted 2,075 lives to date. You've distributed 414 IDs, um, 108 skills development, and 4,600 meals have been served through, through you guys. And that's just amazing. And um, you know, people might be sitting here and saying, you know what, that's, I'm not going to go and start something, but how can I support you guys? What can I do to help or volunteer or get behind what, what you're doing? What would you say? How can people do that? Uh, yeah, well, you can definitely come and visit us and we can sit and chat because, you know, everybody's different. Everyone wants to support a different way and then we can see how you can actually fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, what do some of your volunteers do? Um, you know, because you, you, you create the space where people can gather on a yes. Sunday. Yes. Um, so there's that opportunity to come and be a part of on actually Sunday, engaging yes. on the ground. Maybe tell us what time you meet. And so we meet on a Sunday at half past two, about quarter past two. We can pray together first. And then we obviously get um, Edwin preachers and then get together in groups, pray for them. You know, it's all about fellowship and 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 community, you know, even if you're just there and they see a familiar face and you get to chat to them and develop some kind of relationship and don't be afraid. They're not going to ask you for money and everything. That's, um, we, we don't give out cash or money. That's, it's just, 
they won't ask you, so <laughs> don't worry about that. And then during the week, you can go with Eugene, be on the field, actually go vi- do site visits, go and actually be there on the street and, and, and chat with them and discuss with them. In-house, we've got um, a place where you can type out CVs. You can even if, like, for example, one of our homeschooling moms is a chef, and she actually just ran our cooking classes for us for a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, there's just so many ways. I don't know, Frank, if you can think of any other things that Yes, uh, just come to teach them, like, uh, how to use the computer or to mentor them, to listen them, to them because they need that as well. Like, somebody love them, listen to them. Sure. And um, as Eloise said, don't, don't, don't worry. They are not like they will bite you. No. <laughs> <laughs> They won't. We know some are aggressive, but they, they need some love as well. I will, I will say something. Um, my wife, she's not here. She's serving at Olive Tree. She works at the Debenot. She was walking from Spa by Broadway. And then she, she was talking on the phone. She felt somebody was following her. And then she looked around. And that boy recognized her. That time we were serving the meal on Sunday. And she asked the boy. She didn't recognize the boy. She asked the boy, what do you want? He said to my wife, I know you. But I was coming just to get the phone and go sell and get some meal. I'm hungry. I need food. Sometimes they do because they're forced to do that. And my wife give him, gave him the, a lunch. But it's not like I'm not justifying, but even yourself, if you have to be in that, the shoes, maybe you will do the same. Sure, sure. Absolutely. You will do the same. To avoid all that, according to some research was done two years ago in Durban, in CBD, there is like 4,000 homeless. Hmm. There, the, the number sounds huge, but it's not huge. Mm. If two or three people can get together and assist them, they won't, they will disappear. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the rate maybe will decrease. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That means they need us somewhere, somehow. You can give your time to come on Sunday. You can mm-hmm. volunteer. See yourself what is your passion mm. to do. I mean, absolutely. Wayne and I were just saying there's, um, I think, in, in the city um, s- summary of, of figures, they said there's less, there's, there's just under 600,000 people living in the city of Durban, and 4,000 of them are homeless. We can sort that out. We can, we can rectify that. There's, like, there's more of us than those who are in destitute um, position. And so, uh, and I echo what you say. I mean, we don't see as many street children as we used to because people were proactive and didn't just look at it and go, oh, isn't that terrible? All those children, oh, shame. I hope some, I hope the city does something about that. You know, I hope the municipality, we are the city, you know, and we need to network with people in positions of authority in the municipality, get around um, safer cities and you know, all the different organizations, and it's in our hands to, to take Durban to where, where it needs to be. So, awesome. Guys, it has been so good having you. Haven't you enjoyed having them? Do you feel, do 
you've learned something. Um, is there a, a final testimony you might want to share? Um, a, a special testimony, something that's fresh on your heart or your mind of just encouragement, somebody's story. Um, gosh, you know, it's, it's just so nice to, we're talking such a big picture here and it's so nice to know the individual people rather because, <laughs> sure. we, because the that's name what and it's the about. Face. It's about mm-hmm. the people and so often, you know, you, you look at someone on the street and you think, oh, well, what's he doing? He probably wants to be there or there's always that perception. Yeah. But these people are really struggling. They, mm-hmm. they really are in dire circumstances. Mm-hmm. They're living in, in, in places where you wouldn't even sit for five minutes and they're sure. living there. They have toilets that are just vile. And, and, and generally a society is so, so quick to judge them and say, well, they're just... But they are. They're amazing people. Yeah. I mean, we, had, we have a guy, Moses, who... Shame, he, he came to us probably four months ago. And he was desperate. He'd been looking for work. He'd been sending out a CV. Him and his family were living on, I don't even know where Frank saw. They had mattresses that were moldy, and they had nothing. And he went to the discipleship program at Grace Church, and he said in our groups, because he's in one of my small groups, and he said to me that that discipleship taught him so much about who he is and gave him so much value, value that he never had before. He didn't know Mm. how special he was. And I think that is key because those people think they're worthless. And in that four months, he has grown. He has, he's got a job. He's he's working. He's got a job as an assistant salesman. Wow. And he's so happy. And he comes each week and he, I mean, he got his job. Sometimes you'd think the guy, think I I got my job. I got what I needed. I'm out of here. But the guys come back and they're there every Sunday and they, and we're not even feeding them meals anymore. So we're not giving them Anything other than than kingdom, sure. And they come back, rain, oh, wind, they <laughs> there, and it's just really, really amazing. That's beautiful. So, thank you. Can I just add to Moses' story? So Moses and his wife have seven kids. They live in a shack. So the mattresses that we new donated have to be leaned against the wall so they can move around. His, they did the uh, life skills at, at Grace Aid, who we partner with, and he did the job readiness. So we feed Grace Aid candidates for these courses. And then he comes every Sunday, and we teach biblical principles about favor of God, and obviously what you decree and declare it will be, you know, all those kind of things. And then just randomly, um, okay, besides his wife coming to the cooking class, and we actually mentoring her to start her own catering business and all the rest of it, Moses... Um, just the other day, someone sent Frank like a newspaper clipping of a job opportunity. It's just random. Mm. And then Frank said, no, I need to call Moses. So he called Moses. Moses came in. They finished his CV. They emailed it to the company. And then they phoned him to come for an interview. And then he was shortlisted and he got the job. Come on. So there's the divine yeah. favor I promise in the you. midst. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Well, what I want to do is I want to just throw a couple... Um, uh, slides up there just with some thought-provoking scriptures. If we could just go to the next slide. 
Proverbs 22, 22 to 23, do not rob the poor just because you can or exploit the needy in court for the Lord is their defender and he will ruin anyone who does. And I want to charge you, if you see anybody who is exploiting the poor, who is treating them unfairly, that you would stand up and be their mouthpiece, that you would be provoked to the anger and even out of the love for the person who will be ruined by the Lord, <laughs> stand up and, and change the situations that we see around us all the time. The next scripture is Proverbs nineteen seventeen. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. And just to, to take that to heart, when we are kind, the Lord sees and he rewards and he has greatly rewarded you guys with your team, with these um, amazing testimonies, with provision, with blessing on your business, um, favor on your families. And he is rewarding you because you are being kind to the poor and you are lending to the Lord. Amen. So what I want to do, I want us to respond. And um, if, you, if you've been sitting here and there's a, a hunger in you for a kingdom vision, you're just saying, God, I really want to know what is that kingdom purpose for which I've been called? What is that thing that I need to be um, connecting with you about for so that my life isn't just going around the, the mundaneness of my job, paying the bills, going to church, doing this, doing that, but to actually feel alive every single day. If you feel a stirring or want to respond to that, um, we want to pray for you. Um, and so uh, I encourage you as we pray that you just raise your hands and you open your heart to God. And then I'm going to do a special call for anybody who feels just such a, such a heart for the poor. You feel like you, there's kingdom purpose, but then I have this, I have this purpose to, to reach and impact the poor. And then I want to create an altar space. And I'd love to ask you guys to pray and to lay hands on people and just really um, trust that the anointing and the grace upon your life will be transferred into people who are wanting to start a journey um, in this regard. Can we do that? So can I ask you to stand to your feet? To just stretch those legs out a little bit. Um, and, and let's pray. Um, if, if you, if you feeling just, uh, really God, I want that purpose in my life. I want to, I want to know what you created me for. I want you to just raise your hands up, raise your hands up high and open up your heart and just say, let's just pray together. Father, I just want to thank you for these men and women. And I want to thank you that you see, you see their hearts, you see their desire to connect with you and the purpose for which you have created them. They do not want to go through life, just going through the motions, getting older every year, but not actually feeling that connection with the, the root cause as to why they are on this earth, why they are in this city. Father, you see their hearts, and I pray right now that you begin to stir them. I pray that you begin to connect them with the right people. I pray that you begin to stir inside of them such a, 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 a heart for um, going and taking the time to read your word, to write out the vision, to wait in your presence, that you would open up the doors for them as they meet the right people, as they get inspired, they read the right books, they get around the right community of um, iron sharpening iron. And I thank you, God, that in this moment, something, a catalyst is, is taking place. There is an igniting for people to just step into what you have purposed them for. Yes, Lord. I thank you in Jesus' Lord, name. Lord, we just call our destiny. We know you the God of destiny, the God of purpose. And we call it out this morning, Lord. 
We call out that treasure, Lord, that you created these people for this morning, Lord. We call it out in the name of Jesus, Lord. We, we thank you for open ears. Lord, we thank you that they're going to hear your voice. Thank you for dreams, for visions, for divine encounters. They're going to hear you say, go watch that movie. They're going to see somebody walk up to them and say, you're called for this or prophetic words. Lord, we release your word over their lives right now. We thank you for angelic beings, Lord, just to be dispatched, to guide them to what their destiny, what their purpose is in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And then if you are responding and you're saying, listen, the poor are my heart, the destitute are my heart, can I encourage you to come forward? And we're going to pray and lay hands on you, and everybody else is going to just stand in agreement. And once we've done that, we're going to have a special musical item by Edwin and Emily and Ethan. But if you are responding to the call to reach out to the poor, a call to to really be um, the hands and the feet and the love of Christ. Wow, this is amazing, guys. Sure. You know, Jesus, Jesus, he saw the people and he had compassion upon them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And as you are stepping forward, you're saying, Jesus, I will be your hands. I will be your feet. And, um, and maybe you could just go and lay hands and pray and I'll, I'll, I'll just pray collectively, but just feel free to pray over people individually. And all of you, please go and lay hands and pray. Father, I want to thank you for um, the men and women who are responding to your call, your call to be love, your call to be graciousness, your call to be comfort to those who are not comforted, for those who are isolated, for those who are dislocated, not only from, from families, but dislocated from society, those who feel worthless. Father, I thank you right now that your anointing flow and fall upon these men and women who are saying, yes, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Use me, anoint me, grace me, lead me in Jesus' name.